If you're ready for freedom from the grind, then passive income from real estate investing is the best way to get you there. If you don't know where to start or what to do next, then the Rent Roll Radio Show is the best place to get you there. Join us while we discuss the best practices, strategies, and mindset you'll need and give you actionable content to get you from where you are to where you want to be. Rent Roll Radio listeners, welcome to the show. As always, I'm your host, Sterling Chapman. Today, we're joined by a couple special guests from my local market that I'm super excited to have here. We have Todd and Elliot Grand. Um, they're here to talk to us about flipping, about rental properties, about building a business, about everything uh, that you're going to want to know here on the local level. Uh, I always find it so cool. I've had just like the most insane guests on this show. Like I've had Brandon Turner and Jay Scott and Neil Bawa and Joe Fairless. And almost nobody listens to those shows. But when I have like the local guys that are like doing it on the ground level, that are just a couple steps ahead of the, the guy behind it that like lives down the street, everybody listens to it because it's just so much more relatable. So like this is going to be one of the most popular episodes. So I hope you guys are ready for the fortune and fame that's going to come follow this. <laughs> <laughs> I hope we don't ruin that trend for you. Yeah, thank you, Starling. <laughs> Uh, can you guys give us a little um, introduction to yourselves? Tell us a little bit about your story, how you guys got started in real estate, what you were doing before, what your portfolio and processes look like today, and just kind of catch us up with you are. Yeah, sure. To, to, to start, I want to start on a positive note, and this is a true story. Um, so for those of you who are listening, Sterling and John host a meetup in Baton Rouge, and um, I, I attended my first meeting a few months ago, and the first night I went, I got a wholesale deal that night, which is uh, nice. kind of cool. Um, shout out to Ty, the, the speaker of the night, super sharp, great to work with. Um, and for those of you in the local market, um, it's uh, it's a great meetup, good energy, content is very relevant. So I just wanted to put a plug in for that. Um, my background is I spent 14 years at CBRE in Atlanta, Georgia. And uh, Sterling, I'm sure you're familiar with, with CBRE. Oh, yeah. Um, for those of you who are not, it is a commercial real estate firm. It's um, it's the largest commercial real estate and service, largest commercial real estate service and investment firm in the world. So it's a huge firm. Um, and there I got to work with some some really cool clients, mentors um, within the firm, as well as clients that that I, I did business with. Um, and for perspective, like our investment guys down the hall would sell multiple billions of dollars worth of apartment complexes in a year, multiple billion dollars of, of, of office buildings. Um, and and my, my focus there was selling and leasing commercial office buildings. Um, and, and for perspective, the four of us, I was on a team with three other people. We had a portfolio of 10 million square feet, which is about 30% larger than the entire office market of Baton Rouge. So it's a totally different markets, um, totally different perspective. Um, I always wanted to be an investor, but the problem was there was about a $200 million barrier to entry to get into what my expertise was. So I couldn't just start buying office buildings. Um, and so after the crash happened, um, I'm probably a bit older than a lot of people listening, but after the crash happened, there was a, it seemed like a good time to start investing, but I didn't really have any time and I didn't have any knowledge. Um, and so what I did was I was a very curious passive investor and I partnered with somebody who, who knew the business. Um, I started building a relationship with him for a couple of years and just tracking what he was doing. And, um, and then I made a deal with him and I said, look, I'll, I'll fund a deal 
and we can split the profits 50 50 and I'll pay for everything. And, um, and so we did one like that. Um, and we started with one, then we did multiple, then we got multiple going on at the same time. And um, over a few years, we we ended up doing about 60. Um, and we we started with just, it, it was almost too good to be true because that was 2012. And and I would have done more, but it was, it, it felt scary because we were buying properties yeah. and putting them under contract to sell the same day for a good and, bit. And, and I'm sure in 2012, everybody was telling you you were at the top of the market. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and this is kind of funny. We actually bought a little apartment complex and this is how crazy it was. We bought a deal. It was a 32 unit apartment complex for, it was $215,000. 60 days later, sold it for 600,000. And this is the funny thing that deal made it on bigger pockets. However, it wasn't because of what we did. It's the guys we sold it to ended up buying it from us and then selling it for 2 million a few years later and then went on bigger pockets to talk about how they bought it from these idiots who sold it to them for so cheap. <laughs> I it love crazy it. Crazy how much that that market moved. Um <laughs> it, and then um Todd will jump in and tell you how we got so, so my background is Georgia, commercial real estate to to small passive investing. Um and then Todd will take it to tell you how we got started in Louisiana. So uh, my story is a little bit different than L's. Uh, born and raised Baton Rouge, uh, went to LSU, go Tigers. Um, moved out to Houston for a couple of years to pursue oil and gas banking, and um, I did that for a little while. And then I moved, <clears throat> I moved back to take over a, a fourth generation family furniture business, and. Um, so I, I did that and, and I got my start in real estate um, a little over a decade ago. Um, I realized the need to to relocate our business. So I did kind of what any other newbie young investor would do. I bought a 55,000 square feet rundown commercial building. Um, and, you know, I... I did it with some of the same principles that Elle and I use today. I said, you know, I'm going to I'm going to buy a building in a good location. I'm going to reinvest in the building and I'm going to look for solid tenants. And so, um, you know, I did that at kind of a fun uh, early fact is I, I knew a lot of folks in the uh, in the entertainment industry when it was really big in Baton Rouge. So the first contract that I landed was um, to to house props for Fantastic Four when it was shooting in town, yes. and so uh, so you know what did I do? I, I reinvested that money into the the building, and then was ultimately able to land some long term tenants. Um, but how I got into residential investing, um, you know, fast forward to to, to 2016, and uh, you know what what guy you know, hasn't sat around the sat around the campfire, you know, drinking beers with buddies and talking about passive, passive real estate and investing. And uh, you know, whether it be flip houses or or, or rental properties. And so Elle and I are cousins. So uh he had come in town for for Thanksgiving and I was telling him about uh you know the historic flooding that we had in in, in 2016 and uh and just really the need to invest in Baton Rouge and and, uh, and and help rebuild the city, and so sure enough, you know, we kind of hop in the car, and uh, you know, we called some some local agents that I know, and 
put out some offers and and uh before we knew it we were we were up and running and um you know l and i have have different but you know complementary skill sets um you know my background is is managing people um you know then i had a lot of local relationships i had i had a construction background um you know i had obviously a good knowledge of the the local market um l brought more of a of a institutional mindset uh l had a crew and so um so that that's kind of how we got started awesome and what is what does y'all's operation look like today so um for our listeners just this this is the kind of the the why should we listen to you question um well today we've got we we have multiple we have a bunch of different llcs we operate under for different reasons. Um, but, but it really boils down to two businesses. We have a rental business and we have a flip business. Um, since when, when we started, started looking in this market was, was Thanksgiving of 2016 after the flood, we started with a couple of flood homes and then we bought four, then eight, and we just kept on doubling down. Um, today we've got about 70 rental properties in our rental business. Um, and then we, we, we flip between 40 and 50 homes a year. So we, we actually, track our key performance metrics pretty closely. And since we started, we've we've actually bought a property um every eight and a half days. So so we do a lot of volume. Nice. Yeah. And but but the pressure is we staff up for that. And so now we really have to buy a property every eight and a half. Well you gotta feed the machine. You gotta feed the machine. I tell people that all the time. Yeah. And and, I, and the, um was I say what what makes us a little different is that we're very lowly leveraged. And so we can buy st- stupid deals, and and yeah. so we we want to get people to know that because we are we 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 have to buy, otherwise we have to downside, downsize. Yeah, that's that's a that's an excellent point, and and with the leverage, that's a, that's another extra excellent point that that you should want to get out there, right? Because wholesalers bring me stuff all the time, and I'm like, look, this deal would work for me if I didn't have a twenty five thousand dollar financing charge. Right. We'll find somebody who's going to pay cash, and it'll work. But for for the those of us that are you know utilizing these types of tools, it's just it's not going to work. So I'm sure there's a ton of opportunities that slip through my cracks, you know, because it doesn't work with my with my premium finance charge that that a cash guy it would it would work out perfect for. Right. As as a portfolio, we're leveraged probably less than thirty percent, and all of our flips we buy with cash. It's only um, it's only you know once we get them stabilized, if we decide to keep it, once we get them stabilized. Um, and you know, fully rented, stabilized it that we might choose to take out debt. Now, I, I do want to call you out, Todd, because you made a comment earlier about sitting around the campfire with the boys, having beers, talking about passive income, and you mentioned flipping. <laughs> and I think everybody on this phone, scholars, <laughs> couldn't damn well, there ain't a single flipping passive thing about flipping houses. Yeah, no, that that's absolutely right. Uh, that's um, I think that's the idea you have when you get in. That it's going to be passive. You're just going to walk out to your mailbox every day and pick up a different rent check. And uh, I mean, yeah, my experience has been that rental properties aren't passive either. <laughs> no, no, not at all. Um, you know, our our model is a little bit different. Anytime we bring a rental into our uh, rental portfolio, it's going to be a fully renovated house. And so you might have to work out some kinks over the first couple of weeks. But uh, but after that, it's it's um, it's generally smooth sailing. Um, and then L kind of heads up our tenant selection and and we spend a ton of time making sure we get the right tenant. 
and we don't make exceptions. We have we have our criteria and we stick to it. And so so do you do you mind sharing your criteria? And and do you, and is it different in different areas, right? So like the reason I ask, we're, we're trying to work out the kinks on Ironman always, but but like you know, I have a different requirement for somebody that's gonna live in my my eighteen hundred dollar a month house than I do that somebody who's going to live in my $450 fourplex one bedroom, right? Like I can't, I can't pull credit on Topeka street because if you have over 500 credit score, you're probably not going to want to live on Topeka street. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. so, so I'm just wondering, like, do y'all have something across the board or do y'all stay in like the same type of asset class to where it makes sense to have it across the board? Just kind of share a little color on that. Thought. There's, there's an asset class level that we won't go below. Um, like we don't we don't want a single family home that rents under eleven hundred dollars a month. Um, we we generally start the same, and if we can't get a prospect, then we will occasionally go down. But it's very rare we have to do that. But um, generally speaking, at six hundred credit score or above, um, no more than nine hundred ninety nine dollars of collections or late payments um, on their credit report. Um, no history of eviction, um, sex crime, felony. Um, I'm trying to think of all the different things. Three times you have to make three times the sure, uh, sure. income, um, landlord reference, work reference, and and we call them all and we check we check everything, and uh, it's it's rare we have an eviction. We we, we, just, it, it, we just do a, a thorough job, and and you know every time before we you know sign a lease with a tenant, one of us two is meeting them, and and then you know when when they do roll into the house. You know, we we treat them right. Um, we're we're very responsive uh, when they do have an issue. Um, either with our, uh, we've got a, a full time uh, maintenance man, and you know, if if it's an issue that needs to be addressed that day, it's being addressed that day. And if it has to go out to one of our vendors, you know, same thing. It's either going to be addressed that day or the following day. And it, it kind of evolved. We didn't want to have rental business. It was like I I was never planning. I didn't want, I didn't want to have a flipping business, <laughs> <laughs> but but it just turned out where we like this was a side hustle, and I never planned to leave Atlanta. I loved Atlanta, and it just evolved to where it got to a point. Where it was like okay, well, there's not enough time in the day. Like I need to make a change. I'll choose Baton Rouge, and so we started buying here, and then it got to a point where it's like, well, why why flip this? Because the taxes are so high at this point let's just keep it and then then we just started keeping rentals thinking we'll just keep them for years and then sell in get capital gains and then it became well this actually is nice to have this passive income then i like and quit my job so it, everything just kind of evolved into what it is and we didn't have bigger pockets when i started you know there was no and and there's a lot of the stuff i'll hear out and whatever and i say bigger pockets, but the, but the, you know your show there's a lot of people that listen to you and get advice on how to get started but there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, like the 1% rule. There's a lot of sayings and thoughts that we didn't really know existed until after we had a business built. And there's a lot of it we look at and kind of laugh at and say, well, we don't really agree with certain things that people are doing, but we just eventually kind of evolved into having these two different businesses. So elaborate a little bit for me on the numbers in, a, in, in kind of a percentage form. A lot. One of the questions I get most of the time um, is, is how do you know if you're going to keep a rental or if you're going to do a flip? That's a good question. Uh, we debate that. <laughs> we we always we always do. Um, so like L stated, you know, from a single family perspective, you know, rents have to bottom out at eleven or twelve hundred dollars. Um, we don't want to go there. 
Um, we're going to look at, you know, a lot of what we do is going to be a full rehab. So the inside is going to be taken care of. Um, but the outside, we look at the systems of the house. Is the AC good? Is is the roof in good shape? And uh, if we're having to replace those things along with windows, then um, we know from a maintenance standpoint over the coming years, there's going to be, you know, very little. If we select a good tenant who takes care of the inside, everything else is going to be taken care of. So, um, you know, and then, you know, I, I know a lot of people use the the 1% rule and that's, that's a good barometer to start with, but, um, you know, that, that really hasn't allowed us to get the return that we want. So we, we shoot for a little bit higher than that. Um, but, you know, just kind of weighing all those factors, what area of town it's in, uh, that's that's generally how we we come to our conclusion. And and the one percent rule, I completely disagree with. <laughs> like it it works when rates are at a certain point. And sure. like our rental portfolio started, we had no debt, and I was very averse to ever getting debt. And Todd eventually, you know, debated me on it. And Elliot came to town with zero debt and no <laughs> no house debt, no car debt, and so I've corrupted him. That well that. That surprises me coming from the commercial real estate world. Because, I mean, Sam Zell wasn't, wasn't buying those office bills. By the way, uh, he died. I don't know if y'all heard, Sam yeah. Zell died today. Um, so, but, but I mean, he wasn't buying, like nobody operates that way, right? In that space. So why, why were you operating? Anyway? Well, I lived through the Great Recession when oh, yeah, yeah, office yeah. was being let go and See, clients come to meetings crying and praying. Like, it's yeah, and and I'm yeah. like, it, it got to a point where rates were at three, three and a half percent. And it's how I talked about it. I said, if we can't beat a three and a half percent rate, we shouldn't be in the business. So then, with that point, we we started getting debt, and we got a decent amount. And a one percent return, like one percent a month, works all day at three and a half percent debt. But now that rates are a lot right. higher, one percent doesn't make any sense. Yeah. And something that something's got to give. And and what's interesting about the market is we we now have arbitrage with the bank. So our right. the rates, we're now taking money, putting our money in market account, making money on the bank's money, which is crazy because the, the <laughs> money market's paying higher than the rate we borrowed from the bank. We have cash we're not using. So rather nice. than pay up, we're making money on the bank's money. It's just something's got to give because with the, and not to get too nerdy, but the inverted yield curve, long-term rates. It's been inverted for a while, right? It has. It's but, but what's going to happen is either long-term, the, the long-term rates, mortgage rates are going to go up. The short-term rates are going to go down. And we're not going to sit here and make a prediction, but everybody's operating under the assumption that rates are going to come back down. Same people who've been saying that are the same people who said rates are never going to go up a year ago. So I don't, we don't really know what's going to happen. I mean, who, who knows macro level, but yeah. something's going to get one of the two. And if, if long-term rates go up, then we want to be ready to buy. Um, right. Right. So I guess that's a good that's a good segue into the next question. But like, what's next for you guys? Um, number one, I think is buy back some of our time. We've we've never had it staff other than labor, um, and so we have our first operations person coming on board June fifth, and uh, that'll that's exciting because right now there's not a lot of time. Um, second, that's it, a, go ahead. I was saying. Uh, that's, that's a, that's a great goal. Like every year, my, my goal is like, I want to make twice as much money as I made last year. This go around, I'm like, you know what? I want to make the same amount of money I made last year. I just want to work half as much. Yeah. Yeah. We, we always, I mean, it's a daily discussion with us. 
where do we invest our time? And 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 this year, you know, our some of our investment will be into other human capital so we can buy back some of our time. Um, second, I would say, and this is something we started doing right before COVID, is just clean up our portfolio. And and we're always trying to like improve that rental portfolio a little bit more, a little bit more, sell on a couple that are the lowest end and then bring it in. You know, we want to sell a few and then add double or triple what we sell to constantly grow it. But we always want to prove it. Yeah, I call it pruning, right? Yeah. Yeah. You, you, I call it pruning to, to readjust my return on equity, right? Because if you buy if you buy a house with like 20% down, right? And let's say it's $20,000 and you're making $1,000 a year or whatever, right? You, you, you get a percentage from that. But if the house appreciates a ton, right? And now you're making, now you've got 60,000 in equity. You got like that thousand dollars a year is like nothing, right? So you've got very, very diminished return on that on that equity. So the, the idea there would be sell the high equity, low cash flow, use that high equity to buy more higher cash flows. Yeah, that's exactly what we've done. Uh it's also challenging when you're when you're uh, selling something that's got three and a half debt on it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. There, yeah, anything the, the, the debt is an asset, you know. Like I've heard yeah. now, people are going through divorces, fighting over who gets to keep the loan. And right. It's uh like we can't like there's houses we want to sell, but you can't you can't get rid of it. If yeah, you if you know true. what you're doing from an investment perspective, you just cannot get rid of debt like that. Absolutely. Um, so, go ahead. I was just saying another thing. I know this is probably way too much detail for your question, but we, we also want to diversify into a new market. And so we're, we're, I'm going up to Northwest Arkansas soon. I've got some family up there. We've been looking in Florida and we're not going to go to the scale that what we're doing in Baton Rouge, but we'd love to um, park some cash elsewhere and spread it out. Yeah. That's been, that's been on my, I don't, I don't, I don't dream board vision, but kind of like in the works for me at one point it was going to be, Alabama, another another point it was going to be Houston, you know what I mean, to kind of diversify those markets. Because there's a lot, you know, there, there's a lot of reasons why you don't want all your eggs in, in the, this basket. Like I say it all the time. Like, like weather, crime, poverty, insurance. Uh, ta- I mean, the list goes on, right? So, so how do, go ahead. Yeah, one of the things that, um, you know, the big factors that pushed me ultimately into real estate is, is you know, from the time I was 18, I was investing in the stock market. And so I, I wake up and I'm I'm in my 30s and, you know, all of my assets are in the stock market. And I didn't want to wake up one day and and be ready to retire and, and then it not be what I thought it was going to be. So that pushed me into real estate. And now, you know, part of our debate is now, you know, all the eggs we have in the Baton Rouge basket, um, how much do we want to continue to invest here? And sure. and like El said, I don't I don't think we'll slow down in Baton Rouge. We've just started to keep an eye on some uh some other markets that we have interest in. Absolutely. Insurance, yeah, and, and, you mentioned insurance. What a disaster. We we got a quote yesterday. We have an 18-unit apartment complex. Insurance was 16000 a year three years ago. We got our quote yesterday, $42,000 for 18 units. It's and the, and we've been denied by we've I don't know how many different carriers Andre went through. Everybody denies except for one carrier will do it. I think we had twelve people. They're all pulling out. 
Yeah. Yeah. I think 12 looked at it and uh, two came back and uh, and we're, we're still more than double where we were just a few short years ago. Um, one other thing we'd like to do is, is we haven't, we're, we're set up to buy bigger properties. We just haven't done it. And, and we haven't wanted to, the, the more expensive stuff you're battling out and the historically in the five, six, seven cap rate range. Um, I mean, I, and it, Atlanta clients buying or not buying, building new buildings at at five caps, which is nuts because what it takes multiple years to build and stabilize. And then you're firming mm-hmm. debt, which who knows what it will be at that point. But we just haven't wanted to go buy a bigger deal and bring in investors for something larger with low, low returns. So if that changes, we, we may start getting into some of the bigger stuff, but it just hasn't been something we wanted to, because I feel like it's been speculative lately where you're buying it, hoping that. Oh, yeah. So, oh, yeah. it's been it's been it's been crazy out there in the, in the large multifamily space. Yeah, <laughs> it's, uh, yeah. it's almost like going on. I got people who are buying deals who would find the best loan you could get, and then tailoring their buy box to that loan. It's it's more finance than real estate is what it's been historically because of rates. Absolutely, I mean it's it's it, that's a that's a very accurate statement. It's a debt game. Yeah, it is. It is. So I'm about to head to our radio round. Is there anything else you wanted to tell our listeners before we get to the radio round? Um, you know, there's one thing I think it's worth mentioning is there's a lot of people who try, and I don't know what your who your listeners are primarily, but if people looking to get in the business, um, one thing I wanted to mention is just there's a lot of noise out there, and and I think it's important, um. We we came into the business different because we were lowly leveraged. A lot of people say, go get loans, go get loans. Um, I think it's just, it's okay to be overwhelmed and frustrated and it's hard to do your first deal. And um, and and I don't know, I just, my advice to people trying to get in the business would be partner with somebody who knows what they're doing. You know, like we don't, yeah. don't partner with us because we don't, we don't want to partner with you. But like anybody who's willing to take money that that knows what they're doing, I, I think you do it right, sir. Like you, you have investors and whatnot, but but like anybody's willing to like go go buy knowledge through a partner. You're not going to learn it through a book or through any other way. And it's you can't just magically know the business. You know, it's like you're not going to. A lot of people want to get into it, but they don't really have anything to to offer. And it's just hard to take your life savings, get into industry, and not really know what you're doing. Um, so I don't know. I think the best ways are house hacking, you know, buy your first deal and rent out the room. So obviously anybody younger, that's probably the best way to get into it or, you know, go in with friends and family and you don't have to borrow in this market. It's it's real risky. Go partner with people, get equity and do a deal yourself, but try to raise cash and, and not have that, that gun pointing to your head with debt. Or the first option is to go partner with somebody. I, I just think it's, it's a tough, it's not a, it's not a bad time to get in the business, but just be careful right now. Absolutely. Absolutely. So for our radio round, I want to ask our listeners, uh, I want to ask for our listeners uh, three quick questions. Um, Y'all are entitled to independent or uh, joint answers. It's up to you. So uh, the first question is, what's your favorite book? So I'll I'll take this one. Um, I've got two um, I'll mention. First one is is one that I'm sure nobody has ever heard of, and that's, uh, that's Rich Dad, Poor Dad. (laughs) Um, You know, that's just a great book um, to kind of reset, to to set your mind straight. 
Um, so I, I, I'm generally going to read that book about once a year. Um, another one that 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 I like is uh, is the Power of One More, and that's by Ed Milet. And um, you know, we relate that to our business um, in the sense that we're always looking to make one more sales call. We're always looking to you know fine tune that flip to set us apart from the competition. We're always looking to do one more thing for that. Uh, that tenant of ours um, to make their experience a little bit better. Yeah, absolutely. I love, I love Ed Milet. I was listening to him on a uh, podcast one time and he was like, you know, when you start to get successful, you know, your old friends will really push back on you. Like, dude, you change. You're supposed to change. Yeah. <laughs> you're not supposed to be the same dude. In five right. years, you're supposed to be a different dude. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Um, what about you, Ellie? You got, oh. a, you got a book? I like biographies and it's, it's more consumption than, than anything else, but I, whether it's Elon Musk or Steve Jobs, Richard Branson, I, I just really, there's a ton it. of value. I just, I just uh, listened to uh, losing my virginity, Richard Branson. That was a good one. Uh, and I've, I've listened to the others. I love those, those, those biopics. Uh, if, if that's something that you love, I would encourage you to read Sam Zell's book. If you hadn't, am I yeah, being I, too subtle? Phenomenal. I actually, I read it, but then when I got the news today, I flipped on my Audible to listen to it. Like, you know what I mean? And it's just, it's great. It is a great, great book. Great story. Um, I you know, I've got some Audible credits and I, I, I didn't know what to get next. So I'm going to do that today. That's good do advice. It, do it. I, um, I highly recommend it. I, I'm, a, I'm a podcast person. Like I, I listen to way more podcasts than books, but there's just so much good content out there. And it's just, it's so relevant and so, so current. And so I'll just recommend a one and a quarter speed and crank through them during the day. Same, same, same. What, uh, what's y'all's favorite quote? Uh, I've got one. Um, so mine's a, a simple one, but uh, I, I think it's, it's very telling. And that's a, uh, that's a uh, fortune favors the prepared. And um, you know, it's, it's so simple, but I think, I think those four words uh, carry a lot of power. Um it's something I try to impress upon my kids. I've got two little girls and, um, and, and I try to impress upon them to be ready when that opportunity comes your way. Um, my eight year old had, had just recently been selected to, uh, you know, for, for a solo in her, her, uh, her performing arts class. And, uh, oh, and awesome. she, she practiced and she practiced and then the opportunity came along, you know, and, and she killed it. And, um, you know, you, you know, relating that to, to my professional career, I've had, you know, I've had a lot of, you know, very fortunate opportunities that have come my way, but I feel like I put myself in position to realize that I had an opportunity in front of my face and then, you know, to not fumble it when I did get it. And um, so uh, I know that's a simple one, but that's mine. I don't have a very, I'm not, I'm not really into taglines and and brand. (laughs) We we don't have any swag either like that when you probably need to work on that, but um, I don't know. I don't, I don't really have a favorite quote. I, I guess the more most relevant quote that I know is, is uh, don't confuse brains with the bull market. <laughs> and I, I feel like right now you're, you're starting to see that play out a little bit. Oh yeah. But oh I, yeah. It should be, a, I, my favorite quote shouldn't be a cynical quote, but I guess that's the only one I could think of right now. <laughs> I love it. I love it. On the, on the topic of quotes, uh, there's some really good quotes in that Sam Zell book. My favorite one is like the opening line. He's like, no one has ever left a meeting with me wondering what I meant. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's awesome. Yeah. Um, and then the last is which what do y'all do outside of work? Like what do you do for fun? What's your favorite thing to do when you're not working? I like being outside and traveling. Those are awesome. Well, you pretty much you pretty much have to travel to be outside most of the time because you can't go outside in South Louisiana eight months out of the year. Yeah. So I've got a I've got a young family. I've got an eight year old uh, little girl and a five year old little girl. And so, um, you know, if if we're not hustling in real estate, then um, it's it's usually time uh, that I'm spending with them. I love to play golf, but I, I feel like. Uh, I'm at a stage in my life. I keep calling it a stage, but but now it's lasted, you know, for the better part of 10 years. Um, you know, it's hard to give up half a day on a weekend to go uh hit the sticks. And so uh, you know, outside of work, it's 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 spending time with family, uh going to the beach. Um, but um, you know, we don't we don't look at real estate as as work. We we uh it's uh we do work very hard at it, but um, but but we love it. So um yeah. So, yeah. There's another another Sam Zell quote. He, he's when he wrote the book, he was 75. He's like, people always ask me when I'm going to retire. I'm like, retire from what? I've never worked a day in my yeah, life. Exactly. I, I love how you're honoring Sam Zell. I mean, it's so so current. That's great. And well, so yeah, I know. So I got the news when I, I just drove back from New Orleans to that. And and I got the news when I got in the car. And he's like, oh man, that's Shane. And so then I put on his autobiography book. And so I got about 30 minutes of it, like on the way here. And I'm like, oh, this is such gold. So I'm like writing the note, like writing those quotes down while I'm on my way here. So it was, it was, na- I didn't mean to do it. It was just so natural because he's got a lot of great stuff in there, you know. But uh, um, one more thing I got to tell you, Sterling. So, so we had lunch with Sterling a few months ago and he mentioned that um, just, just more personal things about drinking a lot of water, waking up early just how you know rigid and planned out his schedule is and and we're we're competitive people and so the next morning i get a text <laughs> message at like 4 45 from todd and he's like sterling's ass is still in bed he'll be asleep for another 30 minutes <laughs> so whatever i can't remember what time he said you wake up but todd todd set his alarm clock 15 minutes earlier <laughs> the very next day and then the next day i had half gallon of water the next day he had <laughs> whatever a gallon and a half but uh it's uh, love it. competitive. I love it. Well, I really appreciate you guys joining the show today. I really appreciate you guys coming to the meetup, um, everything you're doing in the local community. I know you guys are always willing to help. Um, so I just, I really appreciate, you know, us being able to get to know each other, being able to share our, our, our joint message, you know, with the listeners and uh, just look, looking forward to keeping up with you on your journey and, and uh, looking forward for, to all the ways that that our journeys, you know, might cross paths over over the years. Yeah. Well, thank you, Sterling. Uh, it's it's our pleasure. We appreciate it. This episode was brought to you by Crestworth Capital. If you're a busy professional and ready to make passive income from real estate investing, then go to CrestworthCapital.com, where you'll be able to download a free copy of our ebook to help you get started today. Until next week, happy investing.